Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You know, we've talked about artificial intelligence with, among others, Professor Joshua Bencio from the University of Montreal, who's considered internationally to be the godfather or one of the godfathers of AI, and we spoke with the professor about the uh, existential threat that AI may pose to the continued existence of the human race. He doesn't discount it. He does not discount it. There was a letter written and signed by the likes of, uh, I know a lot of people don't like him, Bill Gates, and whoever that guy is who owns Twitter or X. Uh, what's his name? You're supposed to tell me. Go on, tell me. Thank you. They're looking at me in the studio like, what the hell do you want? Elon Musk, I just had a brain fade. Yeah, this is your job to help me out when I get stuck on an intersection. You've got to push me to the curb. Yeah, so over 100 uh, luminaries internationally wrote this letter that AI poses an existential threat to the human race. Because machine uh, intelligence, it, it doesn't know, it doesn't care, it doesn't have emotions. It just says, this was one of the scenarios. Okay, the world's in trouble. There are pandemics, there are wars. There are all sorts of things going on that are a threat to the, uh, the continued you know, existence of the world. Now, who's the problem? And AI may say, oh, yeah, we know, I know, it's humans. So let's get rid of them. And, uh, and this is an actual scenario that's been put forward. It says, we'll create a virus that they cannot fight. And that's one of the scary scenarios that they've talked about. But AI has certainly slithered, there's my word again, into mainstream media. Sports Illustrated being accused of the creation of fake stories written by fake humans. And as I said, that takes us back to the concerns about fake news. And uh, so what do, we do, what do we do about this? What are the issues? So many news organizations have actually now talked about what they will do as far as artificial intelligence modules or options are concerned about how they'll incorporate artificial intelligence into the writing and delivery of news. I was also, also told last night, I was looking for the program actually online, I couldn't find it. But there is a, uh, I'm told there's at least one program, radio program in the United States that's all AI. The host is AI. The topics are, I guess the topics are relevant, news stories, but the host is AI, and then they run contests. They call in contests, and the AI machine actually interacts with the, with the callers. You can't tell. I'm told you can't tell that it's not a human. They actually tell you you got the right answer or the wrong answer, and if you've got a prize where you can pick it up, it's... Uh, it's a game changer. Professor Jane Kirtley, our good friend, professor of media ethics and the law, Silha professor of media ethics and the law at the University of Minnesota joins us. 
Jane, this is happening so fast. And I said to my, I said to my, my buddies Tom and Matt across the glass, I don't care if AI is an existential threat to humanity. I care if it's an existential threat to broadcasting. But it's it's not a laughing matter. But it, what what's your what's your immediate or visceral non professorial response to what's going on? Well, as a confirmed Luddite who loathes <laughs> new technology in so many different ways, to me, you know, this this is the devil incarnate, which is probably a ridiculous position to take. But, you know, I, it's, it's sort of like when you're making investments and somebody's trying to talk you into buying something or, or buying some stock or getting into some kind of investment vehicle. And my rule has always been, if I don't understand it, I'm not going to do it. You know, I hire people to give me advice, but ultimately, if I don't understand it, I'm not going to do it. And I feel the same way about AI. I, I am not like your professor in Montreal. I am not like the brilliant professor James Grimmelman, who gave a lecture for us here at the Solar Center back in October, who's both a computer scientist and a lawyer and understands all this. I don't understand it. And it's really uh, a Pandora's box, I think. There are certainly positive things that can come from AI. I mean, I've heard of examples of it, but there is no doubt in my mind that from a journalistic perspective, the journalism industry has not figured this out. And to a great extent are just putty in the hands of ChatGPT and other kinds of uh, large language models and machine learning uh, (laughs) toys. Um, and, you know, it's, it's without mixing too many metaphors, um, it's really like the Sorcerer's Apprentice. They're going to start using it, and they're not going to know what they get into. It'll be over their heads. And as you've said, we've already seen this happen. And it's, it's you know, it may not be an existential threat to mankind, but it is an existential threat, I think, to credible journalism. Yeah, be careful what you wish for, right? Uh, so, so let's look at this. And let me ask you then to don your media ethics professor's Cape and position, and so Sports Illustrated is the uh, is the so the cover child on this story now with fake stories by non-existing humans. They're trying to slough it off as being a third-party mess, but and Sports Illustrated really isn't what it used to be. It used to be a really great sports um, magazine. I, I don't even pay attention to it anymore. It's really slipped that badly, but but it's it's in the news. So what do you make of that? And then what do your what do your students make of what's what's being said about all this? Well, I think as you, as for you and many people, sadly, Sports Illustrated has become irrelevant because it comes out so rarely and it's it's full of so much really garbage by their standards and mine. You know, as as you know, specifically, what generated all of this is that um, these fake articles written by fake people were primarily what we call e-commerce content. They were, the most infamous example was uh, this totally ridiculous AI-generated article about volleyballs. And you'd think, why is Sports Illustrated writing about volleyballs? And the answer is because they wanted to sell them later on down the line um, because they're now part of this you know, twice uh, passed along consortium, um, which has, um, you know, as, as its bottom line, trying to increase its bottom line. And they don't care about journalism ethics. They don't even know what that means. 
And I think it's important to note that putting the journalism aside and just thinking of sort of the strategic communication side of this, this reminds me of the discussions you and I had years ago about so-called native advertising, where real journalists wrote articles about products and so forth in, in a way that looked like it was independent, but in fact, they were being paid by the advertisers to write these articles. And it was a highly debated topic in uh, journalistic circles, in media ethics circles, and even by our Federal Trade Commission here in the United States, which regulates false and deceptive advertising. And, and the writers were saying, this isn't advertising. And the FTC said, you know, who are you kidding? Of course it's advertising. So I guess my point is, I think this is just... 2.0 of this debate, and to try to hide behind the idea that, oh, gee, it's just um, AI-generated stuff for what are basically glorified ads, that doesn't really count. Of course it counts. It goes to the heart of transparency. It, it goes to the heart of accountability and certainly the heart of credibility. And if they can't see that, then they deserve to, to cease to exist, in my view. And I don't say that lightly. I don't want to see news organizations go out of business. But if they're essentially an advertising catalog at this point, I really don't care. Yeah, and the machine's doing all the uh, all the writing and all the broadcasting. I think it's voice. I mean, those radio that radio station story really got my attention. So does, does all of the... I'm not laughing because it's funny, but it... It, it, it gets you going in so many different compass uh, point directions at the same time, this, this AI information, these stories. Do you think it actually contributes and feeds the fake news views that we hear in society? I do think so, um, as if we needed more of this. I think there... I mean, let's face it, there are bad actors out there. There are careless people out there who knowingly or inadvertently share falsehoods. But now we're dealing with a an entity that does not think. As you said, it simply processes all the material it's gathered through the various large language model. It spews out a story. Um, you know, famously, it's known to what's called hallucinate, which basically means makes things up. As a lawyer, this is becoming a big issue in the legal profession because people are filing legal pleadings that have fake legal citations in them for cases that don't even exist. Um, it's a similar problem, obviously, in journalism. And if you already have a public that is disposed to think that the media make things up um, to fit a particular narrative, this just plays into it all the more. It, I mean, we are, we are so lazy, so careless, so unaware that we will use something like uh, ChatGPT to generate stories without knowing or caring whether it's accurate or not. I mean, this, this is horrible. I, as I said, existential threat to journalism as I see it because it simply plays into the idea that the news media should not be trusted uh, for a whole variety of reasons, and this is just the latest one. So, I mean, it's 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 appalling and and really scary to me going forward. Yeah, we already have millions of people who will see something on social media, and because they agree with what they see and hear and read, that makes it fact. It doesn't make it an opinion because they agree with it. It makes it a fact, and that's a that's a deep concern because then if you're exposed to an, an, an ever-increasing AI reality, then, yeah, you could be manipulated easily as a consumer. What are your students saying? 
Well, I think I would say it splits into two parts. In terms of the students, in terms of you know wanting to get through assignments quickly, not so much in journalism, but in other areas, they love ChatGPT. And it doesn't matter how much we warn them about how inaccurate it can be and how stilted it is in terms of the way it writes. Anybody that's looking to cut a corner, they're going to go to chat GPT unless they're explicitly ordered not to. But on the other hand, I think the journalism students also recognize that the profession they're hoping to enter is already in peril and that if they're going to embrace chat GPT, they may also embrace the idea that they will have no jobs going forward. As I mean, as you said in the Sports Illustrated example, one of the reasons this is happening is because Sports Illustrated has cut its staff so drastically. Same thing with USA Today. Same thing with any number of media outlets that are struggling with this and trying to figure out how to harness this technology in a way that doesn't basically mean that they're selling their souls. So I think, at least in the journalism school, there's definitely uh, a mixed set of views about ChatGPT. Yeah, we, we can't ever adopt the, uh, the attitude, Jane, that, oh, they'll never notice. They, they'll never notice. They, they're already on the, on social media all the time. They're on the internet, on search engines. They just go, they being the, all of us, the euphemistic they, um, they'll never notice because they're already, uh, they've already bought into, uh, you know, Google and, and, uh, and X, which is owned by that other guy, whose name I couldn't remember. Um, Musk, yeah. Mr. Musk. Mr. Mr. Musk. And uh, so, so the the attitude could be, oh well, the, the, nobody nobody will notice, nobody nobody will care, or even worse, nobody will care. And I think there there is some truth to that, but you no, know, one of the things I try to tell my students is, you know, what you have to offer to the world is credibility, you know, painstaking fact checking, mm-hmm. um, accuracy, and let's face it, whether you're in broadcast or print media, good writing, you know, good analysis, yeah. all of which ChatGPT is terrible at. Yeah. So again, don't sell yourself short by using these tools. It's it's just lazy. You know, I uh, I don't I don't toot my own horn 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 in this program. But you talk about getting ready, getting prepared, do, do what you need to do, do your due diligence, do your, do, your, do your research, respect your listeners in my case. I started working on this program that airs at 2.05 p.m. Eastern time and then different time zones across the country. I started working on it at 2.45 this morning. That's when I started on it. And uh, that's what it takes. You just have to be, you have to make the commitment that you're going to learn what you're talking about. Not insult your listeners, provide, provide my own perspective, which sometimes gets fired at, which is all right. But that's what it takes. And if you just feed some you know, information into a, into, a, into a machine learning thing, and that's what you're going to get back. You'll get back what the machine learning thing figures based on the parameters it's been programmed by, what it ought to offer you. Professor Kirtley, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so very much for today. Thank you, Jane. It has been a real pleasure for me, Roy, and, and please do take care. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 